0: what's up everybody um welcome back to the tasteless podcast this is episode 13 uh, I had an interview with Spag a Tekken commentator I absolutely love this interview before we go any further um, this was recorded in the midst of the hearthstone Hong Kong player band debacle um we did not it was like literally happening as we did the recording um and I, it, I, it's like reddit is still fucking blowing up and it's totally insane um I'll probably have another podcast where I talk about that, but this is like literally still unfolding as we're doing this recording. Um, So yeah, if you're wondering why that hasn't been brought up, that's why we record these ahead of time, and then it takes time to edit the sound and everything. Um, And this recording I'm making right now is actually shortly after uh, we did the SPAG thing. So uh, well, I'll probably talk about that in a future podcast, but I'm still waiting. Uh, Blizzard hasn't made a response yet. So I want to let things kind of settle before it's talked about. So that the podcast itself will be newsworthy at the time in which it's released. Um, Also some other housekeeping we're doing here. Uh, We're going to be making the Patreon uh, for Patreon supporters. It's going to be a better deal. I can't go into details just yet, but we're trying to figure out uh, more stuff we can do for the people that are financially supporting the show. Um, So I think we'll probably have that all sorted out before the next podcast. So be ready. It's going to be really cool to, uh, to put this out here. We might, I can't promise you guys, but we might have a few uh, more accelerated episodes uh, coming out here. So my guest today uh, is Spag. He's a Tekken 7 commentator. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode that I got to do with him. This guy is super smart. He's super interesting. If you're not familiar with him, he's uh, pretty new to uh, casting globally. He's been traveling around the world. Covering Tekken 7. Uh, Tekken 7 is an absolutely fantastic game, and it's blowing up in the FGC and the fighting game community. And uh, it was really cool to kind of sit down and talk to somebody who's just now hitting that stride of traveling to big events. Like his game is out, it's crushing it. And he's here in Korea casting a tournament. He'll be doing that tomorrow. Um, And so we got to talk about, you know, what's going on in the tech and scene? Um, what's going on in the FGC in general? Uh, I think this is uh, one of our better episodes we've done here at the Tasteless Podcast. So without further ado, I give you episode 13 with SPAG. Mm. And, and I want to make sure I'm saying your ID right. It's SPAG.
1: Yeah, SPAG. Yeah. SPAG. Okay.
0: How did you get that ID?
1: Uh, it's, it's short for spaghetti. And you right. know there's like a meme of like when you have spaghetti in your pockets like when you fuck up or do something Yeah, like
0: it. the M&M song, Mom's spaghetti. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So it's just I just made it up from that and it I just needed a When did you get that ID? Sorry? When, when did when did you pick that did it up? When did I get it? So it was like at the start of Tekken Tag 2, um okay. when it came out like 2010 or something. So I I just made it tw- I needed to make a Twitch account I didn't know what my ID should be. So um it's so my the full name is Spaghetti Rip and it's yeah. based on the player from America commentator Rip. Um and someone was saying in a, in a chat, like, uh, rip, take the spaghetti out your pockets. And he had no idea what that meant and he was getting really pissed off. So when I was watching that stream, I made my account then and I was like, called it spaghetti rip. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I was going to change it. I always, I was um, intended to change my name, but, um, I just kept it because, uh, you know, people started to recognize my name and stuff in places. I thought like, I might as well keep it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Once you get a, an ID like, or like a brand that gets big enough Mm. it's like you can't you can't, can't change it's too it. late
1: you know you get past that point and it's like shit man it's too, it's too late
0: there was actually this whole thing in korea with ids where um they it, it used to be in, in casting they would refer to the pro gamers by their real names mm. but all the people outside korea only knew them by their ids right okay and so <laughs> but koreans didn't know that and so like when i first started casting out here they kept trying to make me say the korean yeah. names and
2: i'm like nobody knows the Korean their name. names, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And the names are so exotic for a lot of the other parts of the world. They won't
1: understand it. They won't get it, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there was this whole weird thing when I started casting out here about trying to convince them to let them use the
2: IDs. Right. And then there
0: was this whole thing where pro gamers would then change their IDs because they didn't understand the gravity of doing that. It's like changing your band's name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's big, yeah. It's crazy. Anyways, um, it seems like now more than any time before it's good to be a Tekken player. Yeah. Is this correct?
1: It's definitely correct, yeah. Because I remember um, when I started competing, it was during Tekken Tag 2. That's when I started to, like, learn the game properly. It was uh, 2011. Um, and that whole games. I mean, for me and for a lot of other people that are, you know, that play Tekken 7 now, for, you know, we learned that game. And we learned Tekken through that game. But it was uh, a dire situation in many times, especially like uh, at EVO, sometimes we were thinking, damn, and EVO is the biggest fighting game tournament of the, especially at the World Cup of fighting games, right? right. There were moments where sometimes you'd think, damn, we're not going to have Tekken at EVO. But with Mark Mann, you know, he's a huge uh, Tekken guy um, and he, he works with with the EVO people as well. So because of him, we managed to get Tekken in. But there was... You know, times where we think, "Damn, we're not even going to be featured at Evo." You know, that's how little people play the game and watch the game. But now with Tekken Seven, dude, I mean, the game is good to watch. It's hype. Anyone can start picking up the game, and we've got a huge fan base now. And you know, uh, it's it's definitely picking up.
0: Yeah, it seems like, and this doesn't always. Excuse me, I'm a little bit congested. Mm-hmm. This doesn't always happen with games. You know, when you have a game developer, there's always this challenge to try to innovate. Um, and sometimes they innovate in like the wrong direction, mm. or they actually digress. But it seems like with this version of Tekken, they nailed it perfectly. And and that's not just and look. I'm not a Tekken expert, but I've I played a, a decent amount, and I really like the game. Mm. Um, but everybody I talk to who's you know deep into fighting games says like this is uh, as good as we've ever seen with Tekken. Why? Why, in your opinion, exactly, is the game in such a good state compared to? I guess, other Tekken games and also other fighting games.
1: Okay, I think there's multiple reasons why Tekken 7 is doing as well as it's doing at the moment. I think visually, it's really good to watch, right? It's easy on the eyes. It looks really cool. Uh, I think it's the Unreal Engine which they picked up for Tekken 7. You look at something like Tekken Tag 2, um, it it wasn't good visually. The, The rounds were super long. Um, it was kind of boring to watch if you didn't understand everything that was going on in the game. But with Tekken Seven, you can just watch it—the slow mo, like the slow motion. You know, where if you do a move at the same time, both both guys, there'll be like a slow motion thing. Yeah. And that's super hype. Get, you know, there's so many moments which can, uh, which a casual can be like, damn, this is sick. You know. Um. So visually, it's it's really cool to watch. So I think that's a huge aspect of it. But also the gameplay-wise, uh, they've also. I guess you could say, kind of dumbed it down a little bit. So um, they've they've nerfed the movement, which is really good, I think, for um, leveling the playing field in a way because the Koreans really, I don't want to say abuse, that's the wrong word, but they really understood the movement mechanic in Tekken Tag 2 and the older Tekkens. And they were leaps, they were years ahead of people when it came to the, to the actual tech. Now with the nerfed movement, you know, um, there's less emphasis on lateral movement and it's like it becomes more of an even playing field so we're seeing people like from europe from america being able to compete with the top players of the world in korea now like literally we were just watching me and cbm were watching uh, wednesday night fights which is a, a a tournament in california and you know an american player just beat kudans you know uh, yeah. who's the you know, literally just now <laughs> so you know that's that's another thing which i think is really important that they've actually dumbed down the game a little bit so that uh, you know these other countries like America and Europe are actually starting to get wins. And I think people are liking that.
0: You know, one thing that's crazy about um, Tekken is how big it is in Korea specifically. Mm. Like, there's basically two games that, I guess I should say three because League of Legends is so big now. But historically, the two biggest games in the country were StarCraft um, and Tekken. Now, StarCraft got big in Korea because there was a ban on a lot of Japanese uh, imports. Yeah. Um, especially during the 80s. So it was hard to get like a Nintendo, for instance, out here. Um, And at the same time, the government was subsidizing the internet. And so PC cafes got huge. Mm -hmm. And then StarCraft was the big game at the time. And that kind of caused this massive explosion. Uh, I don't know if you know why, but uh, is is there any reason why Tekken is so disproportionately more popular than other fighting games in Korea?
1: Well, I mean... The, the history of Tekken, I can, talk, I can speak about it when it comes to uh, other countries, and it might be the same for Korea, where um, the arcade cabinets were easily accessible for, like, for example, Pakistan, you know, Pakistan recently has blown up in terms of the, the Tekken community. Yeah, there. yeah. I want to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, but we're not going to go too much into it right now. But I mean, uh, the arcade cabinets were really easily accessible. They were cheap back in the day. So they, these people, they, the arcade owners bought a lot of those machines. That's why Tekken is the biggest game in Pakistan right now and in other countries in Asia. So it might be the same in Korea. I'm not actually quite sure, but it could be that, you know, that was the easily accessible um, arcade. So we had all the arcades buying Tekken machines, KOF as well. Um, and that's that's one thing specific to, I think, Tekken and KOF, that those machines were were more accessible. So like Morocco plays a lot of King of Fighters, you know, because they were cheaper they were easier to buy. So um, I think that could be one of the reasons why, but the legacy is definitely there. They've been playing from the early, early days.
0: It's 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 so fascinating to kind of see what regions of the world pick up what games, mm-hmm. right? Like Smash, I think, is in part huge because um, Americans go to each other's houses you know Mm. you're you're, there are not that many arcades in the u.s so but if you're going to go meet up with your friends you usually hang out at somebody's house and therefore it's a good environment it's like a breeding ground for smash players yeah what i mean this is so crazy so i was just watching um uh you know the pakistani win with Mm. my girlfriend because you know she was rooting for korea she's korean and I'm, i'm you know I'm going full Pakistan. Yeah. I Let's I not see enough Koreans win games, so I get excited. Well, <laughs> I course, like an yeah. underdog story. You know? <laughs> but uh one of the crazy stories coming out of this is that apparently uh there is an insane, sick Pakistani scene for Tekken. Mm. Can can you tell me about that? I mean, first of all, uh how how true is that as far as you know and 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 what's going on there?
1: Yeah, so um like I mentioned earlier, when it comes to uh Fighting games or just games in general, right now in Korea, and e- even like in the in the West and everywhere, arcade scenes are kind of dead now. Everyone, you know, it's ever since uh, Tekken came out on PC, and that's not been a thing before. PC Tekken was never a thing, right? Uh, all the Koreans now they don't have an offline environment. They don't grind at the arcade like they did in the older games. It's all PC online Tekken, right? In Pakistan there's arcades everywhere. You know, every city has multiple really? arc. Yeah, every, uh, uh, they, they don't play on consoles. They don't play on PC. They only play at arcades. Uh, there'll be one or two people who play kind of on console at home. But generally speaking, these people, when they compete, they compete offline at arcades. And you always see, even in the UK, when it comes to these legends like Starscream, Ryan Hart, and all these guys that are like legends in the fighting game community and Tekken, they grew up in the arcades. And those players are a different kind. And I've played against them. You can tell easily that their fundamentals are on a different level because they've grinded the arcade. It's different from playing online, right? And that's why maybe we've been seeing a little bit of a dip. I've been talking to some Korean players. They're saying, "Hey, you know, we we don't have an arcade scene anymore." And maybe that's the reason why we're taking a bit of dip in our in our skill. But Pakistan, there are arcades in every city, and they still have that sort of you know thing. Even I was I was talking to Asim, who's a top uh, UK player, li- used to live in Pakistan. He said, "We used to go to different arcades." It's like a dojo thing, you know? Like, okay, are my arcade's better than your arcade. I'm going to come over, and we're going to beat you in the first 100. And, you know, it's that kind of rivalry and competition that really improves them so much.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. I, yeah. I It makes me wonder because, like, so obviously uh, PC cafes in Korea, people playing adjacent to each other, helps hmm. you improve in StarCraft. Because StarCraft's a really mechanical game, yeah. right? Um I think people want to talk about it like it's a it's a thinking man's game and it is but it's like you got to be really fast and like know how to input stuff very quickly. Okay. Um with uh fighting games is there an inherent disadvantage if you can only do online play and you're not playing and watching other people and talking to
2: them?
1: Yeah, so online play it depends cuz in Korea they say that their their internet is obviously the best in the world, right? So it's it's very similar to offline play. Um it's very important because in Tekken, you know, your your movement, your ability to punish to whiff punish which means that if your opponent misses a move your ability to actually punish them for that um is so intricate sometimes it can be just a, a frame you know one frame required and when you play online it's it's super hard to play optimally right so um you know especially in europe our internet is not good in europe man so and most people they play online to practice and you you'll never be able to play at your optimal level if you're playing online only you have to play offline but um it's not only that, like you mentioned, to get to play adjacent to someone, to play next to someone, when you, when you do something wrong or if you're, if you're trying to find input, you can get that input immediately. You're playing against, a, let's say you're playing against one of the best players in Korea next to you. You, you lose and you say, oh dude, what did I do wrong? And you'll, immediately he'll be able to give you feedback and then you can work on it there and then. If you're playing online, it's harder to do that. It's harder to say, "Hey, dude, what did I do wrong?" You know, how can I do better? Even if you don't ask, sometimes a player will help you anyway, or there'll be someone watching behind you. You'll say, "Hey, dude," you know, "you're not, you shouldn't be, you should be doing this instead of that." Do you know what I mean? So, having that offline environment where you're with people that can give you input immediately—that that is a huge aspect of why it's better to play offline.
0: From what I understand, um, there are a, since there's a ton of good Pakistani players, they they've been unable to compete. Uh, overseas because of visa difficulties. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: So Pakistan has, uh, when they look at the past, the passport, um, the top list of the passports in the world, best passports. Pakistan is bottom five in the world. Oh, fuck. and it's because it, yeah, it's bottom five in the world. It's under Palestine and and you know Syria and stuff. You know. Yeah. And Afghanistan and yeah. And yeah. Syria, you know, until recently, it wasn't even a country. I mean, you know, ISIS and stuff. So I mean, Pakistan is really low there. Um, they need to get visas pretty much anywhere they go they'll need to get a visa there's very few countries they can get into visa free so it's been a huge issue i know that even during Tekken Tag 2 some of these Pakistani players were trying to get places right but it just wasn't happening and but as soon as Arslan got picked up and you know even his his visa to get to japan it was denied the first time and it was only when we managed to get the invitation letter from the japanese organizers he literally got the invitation letter on the day like it was so oh clutch God. he managed to get it on the day and Uh, the visa was accepted otherwise he wouldn't have gone there and this huge story wouldn't have built up you know around the pakistan scene so the visa thing is and even recently you know a couple of pakistani players that were going to go to the philippines were not able to go because of visa issues you know so it's a huge huge hindrance to them
0: i wonder what is a a a way to fix that is it like the pakistani government needs to start Mm. uh, what like writing a letter like look this is this person is representing our country uh, we we need them to go to this international competition because this is I know this has happened in the past um, uh, with tournaments I've done where Ukrainians were having a hard time right getting out there was like a lot of good uh, StarCraft players in Ukraine uh, for StarCraft One so like a long time ago but you know if you were making five hundred bucks a month as a sponsored player that was enough to live in Ukraine right okay. so there were people that could do it full time but then it would be this headache when there's a major tournament where they would not be able to get into like the U.S. for instance right okay. and I I'm not sure I think. Um, the government did something to step in Eastern Europe's been pretty good mm. About uh, b- being aware of, of, of Esports and competitive
2: gaming But yeah I wonder if that's like a government fix I'm not sure I mean I, I think so I think
1: um, you know Recently there's a new uh, leader in Pakistan His name is Imran Khan and he was—he's a legend in the cricket. I don't know cricket, if you know yeah. cricket, the sport. Yeah. Legend in that in that sport because he was uh, the captain of the Pakistan team when they won the World Cup, and he's now the leader of Pakistan, right? He's a—he's a very uh, good leader, I think. A lot of people like him. There's been a lot of corruption in the past when it comes to Pakistan, money not being spent how it should be spent, and him being a sportsman, he understands the importance of esports as well. I think, um, and so does the people who he works with. So. I think it could be a government fix where, you know, these people are not only representing themselves or their community, they're representing Pakistan as a country and putting the Pakistan on the map. So there's people that didn't even know the difference between Pakistan and Saudi Arabia, but now they know. They Okay, that, that's, that's the Pakistan flag, right? Before they'd be like, is that a Saudi flag? Is that Dubai? Like, I don't know. So they're definitely representing and, and promoting Pakistan as a country. So the government definitely has an interest. And Arsalan's win has been all over the major news channels in Pakistan. So it's like they are taking notice. I think the Pakistani government can definitely do a lot to help these players to, uh, to, to travel. But it's not only that. I think you know, recently with a lot of teams um, picking up players from, from Pakistan, uh, it'll help that those, these guys can help with a visa application because the visa application can be quite hard to do as, as well. You know, oh, yeah, sometimes yeah. you need a sponsor to like give their bank statements to, uh, you know, to get a sponsor visa and stuff. So that, that stuff's really helping as well. Oh, are, are there other
0: uh, Tekken microcosms that we're going to discover,
1: um, like, like what's happening in Pakistan? It could be, man, because the thing is that Pakistan, uh, with Tekken, the crazy thing about Tekken is just uh, how diverse the playing field is. There's people from every country, Saudi Arabia, there's players there. And I heard in Saudi Arabia, there's one player from, the, from what the Saudis are telling me that could be better than Arsalan. There's one player there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Saudi Arabia, there's, you know, you could look at the Asian countries, Thailand, you know, the Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, all these countries, all these places, they play Tekken. They love Tekken. Um, Europe, Europe as well. You know, we have a bunch of countries all around Eastern and Western Europe that play Tekken. Tekken is a global game. That's the crazy thing about it. Everyone plays it. So you never know. There could be that one player in a, or a community of players in a, in a country. Even recently, Africa started to get on the scene. People are talking about the African scene. Um, There could be a player from there who's really, really good and talented and he'll come up and beat everyone. So you just never know, right? Right now, we're saying Arslan is the best in the, in the world, you know, but that could change very, very quickly. You never know. It's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to
0: change directions a little bit here because I've been wondering about this. I played a lot of Street Fighter. I mm. was I was big in a Capcom fighting games growing up. Good. Um and that was sort of my default. Mm. Um is part of Tekken's success right now due to Street Fighter V's
1: failure? Oh, that's a, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question. Uh I think Tekken see the thing that really baffled me when I was playing Tekken Tag 2 is as to the question, why isn't this more popular? Because Tekken 3, I think, was the first Tekken which really blew up and it was a huge success, you know. So you think about that legacy. A bunch of people played that game. It was on the demo disc for when the PlayStation came out and stuff. So, I mean, I know that the casual audience was out there like, and you could see it from YouTube as well, like, there's a bunch of people that love Tekken and watch Tekken videos and stuff on YouTube, even now, so I was wondering, why isn't Tekken more popular, and it was, I guess, now we know with hindsight that it was the game, it was, it just wasn't appealing, right, now with Tekken 7, Namco did a great job in making that game, we spoke about how good it is to watch and play, now these casuals, these people that, you know, were interested in Tekken, they're coming back, and they're getting into the game, and I guess, also, Street Fighter V, there's problem with that, and I don't know if it's a failure. I mean, I guess from what I've heard playing... watch, um, Sorry, talking to the Street Fighter 5 players is they hate to play it, but it's so good to watch. That's the problem, right? Because... It's become too much of a coin toss game that's what i'm hearing from them guys right i talked to a lot of street fighter players in the uk uh, and even in europe and they're saying dude like street fighter 5 it's just like you do you make one mistake you're dead the game is over right and it wasn't like that before and i think what they did is they're trying to make it again like an, an even playing field but back in street fighter 4 it was so technical only the japanese would win japan 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 it would only be japan now, you know, you got people like Problem X, you've got, um, you know, uh, Luffy and these guys from Europe, and now you got Punk as well, who's right now from America, the best in the world, by far. You know, and ov- obviously there's Bonchan as well, who's in Japan, he's up there as well. But, you know, there, there are people from multiple countries now killing it with Street Fighter, but you talk to them, they'll say, I don't like the game. I, it's just too much of a coin toss. Um, that's, the ma- that's the majority opinion, but I don't think Tekken, it, to Tekken's success is due to to the failure of street fighter five i think three five five is still a success when it comes to watching the game it's still i still enjoy watching it you know i don't know i don't know yeah. about you but no, i love watching but i don't like playing it
0: yeah i like it. i like four I, yeah. I i thought i remember when i um it was right around when i first moved to korea like street fighter four came out mm. and i'm trying to make my starcraft stuff work but i thought well let's play some street fighter as well okay maybe that's going to get big out here too mm. it, it didn't but yeah um and I, I I remember thinking this is the best fucking fighting game mm. I have ever played. Like they just nailed it so perfectly. Uh, it didn't it didn't get much traction out here because Tekken was so big. Yeah. And when I'd go to arcades to play Tekken, I'd get my ass whooped. So bad. <laughs> I thought, fuck, man. And then when you you know when you buy the game, there's so many characters, and then they have so many moves. And That's I the thought, thing. It was so hard to yeah. get into that game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's so intimidating, and mm. I just thought like, okay, because I did Marvel vs Capcom 2 yeah. uh, In tournaments in Kansas City when I was growing up. I did I did some Soul Caliber, which I feel like doesn't translate as much into Tekken as I would have thought it would. No, have. it
1: doesn't really. No. Yeah,
0: and so um, uh, d- doing 2D fighters, I was like, okay, I-, I can pick up Street Fighter, but Tekken is just it's it's so overwhelming. Um, yeah, but yeah, it just seems like when Street Fighter Five came out. I, I was ready. I actually went to like one of the first tournaments out here. Okay, I, I died to punko um, uh. on stream. <laughs> I, I did get one throw off on punko though. I will say that. But, oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it, it, it just didn't make it. But Tekken, even though it's been big here, it seems like it's suddenly. I don't know if it's the publisher is suddenly really taking notice in competitive gaming and, and esports, but it seems like it's growing and getting bigger. And um,
2: now there's more opportunities than ever. Is that because of the publisher? Is that because they're they're Pushing this more,
1: definitely. I think I think what it is is, especially talking from from a European standpoint, the Tekken World Tour, huge, absolutely massive and instrumental in the in the uh, growth of this community in not only the world but in Europe especially. I think you know uh, nobody knew who I was, nobody knew who you know the top players in Europe were. No no one respected Europe as a as a as a continent uh, until the Tekken World Tour came out, and then people started to watch. You know now we've got the Tekken official channel, you know streaming um our our tournament you know in the first in the first year of the world tour it was a regional system it wasn't a global leaderboard so people would tune in to see okay let's see how these europeans play and it's like damn these guys are pretty good man you know jdcr and saint who were the the best koreans back then uh in in 2017 they'd fly over to a lot of our events and you could see that you know some of our european players were, were were putting up a fight against them you know they almost got put into losers by a lot of our players so um they're like damn okay these europeans are pretty good man and then you know you start building your as a as a personality, you can start to build yourselves from being put on that platform. America had all the best tournaments. They're tournament organizers and they're just years ahead of everyone. You think of CEO, Comma Breaker, um, Final Round, and Evo. All these platforms where these players could, from even Tekken 6 could, uh, could build themselves, You know, MLG and all this kind of stuff, right? We haven't had that in Europe. So when Tekken World Tour came out, that was what really pushed and, and allowed Europe to grow as a, as a, as a, as a community, as a, as a continent, right? And I think it's the same for a lot of other people as well.
0: So, something I've um, I've wondered, and I don't know your opinion on this. I feel like it's a touchy topic when okay. I talk to FGC people. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I do know a lot of people in the FGC, and some people would say that they are not esports. Yeah. And other people are saying, well, we are esports, or we're not like the other esports. What is your whole take on that, or do you have an opinion yeah, on that? Yeah. So
1: I've not tried to get myself too much into this debate because I've been seeing it on, twi- uh, t- on Twitter a lot, you know, like, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's a yeah. really weird one. because I don't I, get it. Yeah, the thing, because I don't get it either. That's the weird thing because, you know, uh, yeah, of course I'm FGC, right? I right. play Tekken and I only play Tekken. I, I do play casually in other games, but, you know, I am FGC. And what I've been noticing is that, do you know what I think it is? I think there's certain things in the FGC culture-wise that we do specifically, which... Are, which You know, esports coming in and trying to change the way the FGC is. That's how I'm seeing it from their perspective. They're like, oh, these esports people coming in there with their money and trying to change the way the FGC is, the the flavor of the FGC, what we've been doing for many, many years. Is it it
0: like a fear that these big corporations are going to come in and sanitize yeah, the cultural aspect of the FGC. That's what I think it is, and they're like, yeah. we
1: don't want that. We don't want these uh, these people, these corporate interests, to come in and change the culture of the FGC and make it something that it's not. You know, um, and and I've, I see that from their perspective. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, these people are bringing in money and they're helping to sustain this community and allow us to have more of these you know world tours and and opportunities to get money and to make a living out of this uh out of this game that everyone loves so I, there's two sides to this at the moment which side i'm on i mean i i don't quite understand um fully this this whole um our oh, esports are coming in they're changing our they're trying to you know get into our culture and change the way we do things it's like i don't understand that really
0: it's, yeah I've, I've always been interested in because i'd see people say well we're not esports you know at their event and then i'm looking it's like Two, is, two guys playing a video game, and then there there's like a fucking sponsor logo in the background. This like, looks pretty esports. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? But yeah, but at the same time, I definitely like. I think I'm I'm lucky to be doing Starcraft because we've been left alone. Like they, I don't have anybody that tells me like cast like this or, or say like I, right. do, I do what I think someone like me would want to see when I'm doing the show. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I like good entertainment. I think I know what I like. So I'm going to try to make it like this, but I've seen some fucking not cool esports like, like what? events. I I I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I think if you look around, you can see
2: which which stuff is more I think feels authentic. Mm.
1: You know what I'm so saying? So one thing I was told uh, at the start of this season of the World Tour yeah. by Twitch is uh you know about the commentary and how they want it to be assessed. I want it we want it to be more casual this time we want it to be you more comfortable more natural it's not so much you don't want to be like you know Back straight, like ladies and gentlemen, welcome, yes, da, 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 welcome da, da, da. to yeah. Second tour, yeah. And tour, da, 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 sponsored by blah blah blah. You know, they they just yeah. want it to be casual. Like, hey guys, how's a going, da, 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 You know, uh, they wanted it to be more casual. That's something I was specifically told. Like, just just do you, man. You know, don't yeah. don't worry. There's no rules. Just don't swear too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> if right. you do come come and say fuck one once in a while, it's like it's cool. Don't worry about it, innit? But you ain't gonna get fined or nothing. You know, it's really yeah. chill. That's how they want it to be. Anyway, that's what
0: I was told. Well, this is the thing about internet streaming. Is like we don't have to necessarily answer to anybody it's not like they're going to take us off the network yeah like abc is not going to cancel this esports event um yeah i mean that is an issue when it comes to tv stuff What what is that like by the way when people tell you how to to cast or tell you what to do do, do you find that
1: annoying is it helpful is it annoying it's annoying i, I yeah. think it's a little bit annoying man because then it's in the back of your head and it's like you, you can't cast naturally when you're when you have that like I uh, I can't say this I can't do this or you know I have to say this it, it kind of it's in your head and it and that's for me anyway you know but I haven't really been told too much that you have to do this you have to do that you know that, it's, that's good I've, yeah. I've had
0: experiences where like I'm I'm gonna do an event and like I don't know there's like some person that thinks like like I'm almost like I'm farm equipment like they're gonna turn some <laughs> dials you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like all right now do, hype it put put it at the hype at eight yeah. and, and think, <laughs> what are you doing like when the yeah. cameras turn on I'm just gonna start yeah. Talking—that's the thing. That's unnatural. Yeah, and I just yeah. feel like, it, it, unless it's like, please mention the sponsor. I'm like, okay, like mm. I'll, I'll write it down on a on a card so I remember it or I say it right. Yeah. But other than that, I just feel like uh, because a live broadcast is unscripted. Yeah. It, it's. I find it so odd when people are trying to tweak mm. what I'm doing. Where I feel like when I'm casting, I'm trying to explore the whole feeling. Yeah, in that moment, and what I'm seeing, and what I think other people need to see, yeah, you know exactly. what, and
2: what this means. These two guys are about to to battle, and they've got this history, or you know,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's like you said, everything is live, right? So there'll be situations where it's not appropriate to do a certain thing, and you know that, but they're saying no, do that certain thing. It's like, well, it's gonna, it's not the best thing to do, but fine, I'll do it, right? Like sponsor shout-outs. okay, cool. Uh, I wasn't gonna do that now because I was gonna literally talk about something that just happened that was crazy, but yeah. I, I, to you sponsors. could get to that right yeah, yeah
0: exactly you could get to that but yeah yeah i've actually found the best producers are the ones that tend to leave me alone mm. you know like i feel like we definitely have this in starcraft now where, where they realize that they they can trust the casters right they pick the right casters uh for the events and these people are not going to you know fly off the handle or you right, know, say right something
2: right. completely insane but mm. um how long have you actually been casting for so
1: i mean as a as like you know a paid caster I was doing it since the beginning of Tekken World Tour that's that's the thing so like I said in Tekken Tag 2 there was no money there was no official tour or anything like that Um, so you know I was casting uh, Tekken Tag 2 events like I would fly on my own money to to go to these events to to compete and to cast because uh, in Europe there were not there wasn't any commentators you know in our in our community um because of course the ones that did know how to commentate they're from italy and france and they didn't really have the best english so they were like okay we need an english commentator here you know spag can you can you do it i'm like yeah i can do it because i used to stream as well like at home so i was comfortable on the camera and i started there it was in 2014 uh, in amsterdam that was my first time that i commentated and then i did more events around europe then so when it came to tekken 7 coming out and we they needed a commentator or they were trying to find commentators they you know i had enough footage out there to say yeah i mean i can do it and uh, my commentary partner bubsy who already did the pre-release uk tour we had a uk tour um pre-release um for Tekken seven and he commentated that with ketchup and mustard who are two mk commentators so they said yeah uh, he said bubsy said to these producers that look spags your guy you, you know we could do it and then me bubsy uh we we did a, a lot of commentary and people liked us so you know it's just it's just carried on from there you know we literally were just in paris a few days ago commentating the tournament then you know it was, it was good
0: how how is the traveling for you i mean i i found cuz there was a period where like starcraft especially starcraft 2 was the game globally mm. and it was like i was almost never home yeah and it was also weird cuz i was like <laughs> i was traveling so much i'm like i haven't played any starcraft in like a month or two i've just been at events
1: yeah and you know and, and in airports it's crazy, man. Like, yeah, it's it's like that, man. I don't get to play Tekken much myself either, man. I was at a tournament yesterday. It's like the first time in ages I've played the game, um, and I want to play the game, you know. But it's crazy. Whenever I'm at events, I never get the chance to play. It's always, you know, just concentrating, and it's just tiring at the end. It's it's crazy. I I've loved it. I've honestly loved uh, being able to travel around Europe to to meet all these people and to to commentate. I love watching and commentating Tekken. That's it. Yeah. Like, I'll, I I you know. I would do it for free, but I'm getting paid for it, so it's amazing, you know. I love it. Um, but yeah, the the, the travel is kind of crazy, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, in in Europe especially, there'll be like a period where there's like a lot of tournaments, then there's a, a bunch of nothing, and then there's a bunch of tournaments again. So I'm in that mode right now where there's a bunch of tournaments. So I've had Paris. As soon as I get back from Korea, I'm going Berlin. As soon as I get back from Berlin, I think I there's a tournament in London, and then I'm going to go to Dubai and Pakistan, and then Thailand. Oh so it's God. it's crazy, you know. Like I'm there's so much to do and and the other thing is that these the tournaments some of them i'm actually helping to organize as well so it's not that i'm just traveling there i have to help organize when it comes to the production and the the players like getting helping people get their visas and then you know the on-site stuff as well when i'm there i'm gonna have to make sure that everything so it's it's crazy right now i'm gonna this is the beginning of a very stressful <laughs> <laughs> yeah couple of months probably for uh for tekken yeah do, do you struggle with jet lag at all you know what uh it's because it's Europe, European travel, you know, guess, yeah, mainly not that, that I do. Bad it's, it's not Europe. that bad, yeah. Like for instance, here in Korea now. Yeah, yeah, so I, I slept a lot yesterday. <laughs> I know you love, you know when now I wasn't there. So I've, I've been catching up on sleep for the past couple of days. Yeah, I've been sleeping long hours. So yeah, I mean, I'm okay now anyway, but it's apparently worse when you go back from Asia to back to Europe. That's when it's really to yeah. hit you. Yeah, that's when. So you're... we'll see you then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's
2: I'm excited for you. That's cool. You said you're going to go to Thailand at the uh, end Yeah, of that's the when the Tekken World Tour right. finals. It's in Bangkok, right?
1: Bangkok. Yeah, yeah. I've never been there before. So Thailand's so super cool. The mm. thing
0: that's crazy about asia is like you know you go to your first asian country and you're like okay this is asia and then you go to another asian country and it's like completely different mm. and everything that you know people are doing in one place is is not what they're doing somewhere yeah. else and it's it's crazy um yeah
1: but, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man
0: so uh do you find it
2: uh stressful at all you're, you're being kind of catapulted into this into this role or are you just rolling with it is it going on
1: i'm I'm enjoying it to be honest man i'm getting i'm getting like for me i've always told people that i feel so lucky that i'm able to do this that i'm able to just travel to these different places see all the see the communities meet the people and just enjoy myself and see things man even today i was out with cb and my brother we were checking out like the palace in, in 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 seoul and just having this opportunity you know like i would it's it's crazy I had to think that if I wasn't doing this I'd be at home doing whatever else do you know what I mean but I'm I'm here I'm experiencing new cultures and stuff and that's amazing for me and even speaking to you know JDCR when he came down to London he was saying that you know Tekken's cool I love Tekken I love you know um, all this stuff but the, the great thing he loves is just being able to see new places you know Going to Germany, he goes, My like, Germany was one of his favorite places ever visited. Came to London, he managed to check all this things. He goes, I love that aspect to it. He loves to travel. And I think I do as well. I really just love seeing it. It's my first time in Asia. So I'm experiencing something completely different and it's so cool.
0: Yeah, you're definitely doing it right by staying here. You know, you, you come in early, you have time to actually enjoy mm. uh, the city. I know with when my uh travel schedule was really crazy there was periods where like i would only be in the convention hall and then i leave the country yeah. It was just weird it was sad yeah yeah yeah. you know where i'm like you know people say oh you were in you were in poland what was it like i don't know <laughs> yeah i was in true. a convention hall there's been
1: know? there's been times of that for me as well like even in we went to greece for a tournament um about three weeks ago and for the majority of that we were just in the in the venue you know so people would be like oh how was greece or how was this and that it's like yeah I just didn't i don't know you know i didn't get to really go out much uh, that's how it is usually because i also travel with my brother a lot and he's part of production uh, with with unequal media um, him and this guy called Jumar, they they stream a lot of tournaments around europe so i'm with production a lot of the time so um, there'll be moments where you know they're packing down i don't want to really go out without them right so I'll, I'll help them pack down and stuff so um if people don't really understand how it is for the production they do a lot of work dude it's crazy yeah. they do a lot of work behind the scenes it's,
0: it's um it's so much work to mm. like set up all that stuff and it's all this like like equipment that yeah. like, something can break or something can go wrong
1: that's the hard thing you need to fi- figure out the fix quickly and uh, yeah know.
0: i feel like uh gaming events are among the most complicated things Shows to put on. I think they might be The most complicated Could be Yeah yeah Shows to put on like, everyone,
1: everyone wants something Different sometimes Every organizer is like Oh I want to have a camera here, I want to have a crowd cam I want to have a microphone And oh, we might want to do Interviews after games And, the, and the, the production Has to be like Okay if you want to do that, let's do that. How are we going to do it? Figure it out on the spot. Yeah. And it's like it's tough, man. I've seen it firsthand how how hard these guys work and the amount of equipment they have as well. People, see, they see at home, they see the stream. They're like, oh, it's a really good stream, man. But they don't see how hard it is to actually put it on, like to put all that stuff together. Also,
0: these these event organizers, when you see some kind of problem come up, like, oh, the government won't allow the convention hall to be open after 10. And mm. you are like, we can't finish by 10. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Or there's some... Uh, I was at a tournament a couple of years back, and there was a bunch of hackers trying to oh, take the tournament down. Damn! And it's like where everybody's looking around, saying, "Nobody say that we know that we're being hacked," because they okay. want us to like, acknowledge it. They want to yeah, acknowledge, yeah, yeah they yeah, want yeah. the credit. And so, like, all, it was just it was fucking crazy. But we haven't quite a, got to that level yeah, yet. Yeah but, yeah, but it's just like, <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's. It, um, I mean, there, there's all these fixes for a lot of the stuff now, where it's like, okay, we're not on the the main internet that I guess the rest of yeah yeah the internet's on. I mean, I don't. I don't know how this—I'm pretty sure warlocks control this stuff. I don't understand how any of this stuff works, but um, no, it's, crazy. it's it's insane, the, the stuff that can go on. I know—are you familiar with PUBG at all? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, when they started to put that on TV out here, I, I think that was probably the most complicated production ever. Uh, you have 100 computers. Everybody's in the same game. That's crazy. You have—I think they used—I think it's 10 or 8 in-game observers. Tss. So there's guys just flying around trying to find this. yeah to you know uh the casters have to have one screen that just has the map mm. and then another, and it's like and i and the thing is they did it like they yeah. actually have it on tv
2: out here but i remember when i heard they were going to do this i thought
0: no yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no tough, way this can be
2: but before starcraft do you do you um as a caster have to actually control the camera as well do you do you do so that so when i first uh started casting yeah like i first started as a solo caster
0: mm. and i had a mouse um and i was just like in the game yeah, and it was weird because I didn't realize I would have, have like a lot of these ticks I do with the mouse, like I would make boxes. Yeah, yeah. And I was apparently pissing off the viewers. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even notice I was doing it. Oh, okay. Um, and then eventually I got I, you know, I got a couple different co-hosts that I've worked with. The main one now is Artosis, of course. But, okay. okay yeah, yeah. Um, but then we would make some stuff uh, for tournaments where I would observe or or he would observe. Um, but eventually. And in Korea, I always had an in-game observer. But for a yeah. lot of the smaller stuff I was doing, that. that wasn't they weren't there yet. But uh, now we have uh, – well, actually, we used to have a setup where one of us had a computer that could, would go in-game. Mm. And then the second one would just be the screen that was the feed of what everybody saw. So, like, if we see people on camera, we know that, you know, we yeah. can't point out something on screen. Um, but now what we've done is we just don't have an in-game observer. We basically learn how to just cast off of the feed. Okay. That's cool. Um yeah. And I, I feel like for, for these types of games, so like games like League of Legends or, or, or um, Dota or StarCraft, it's all the same perspective, right? It's that bird's eye view. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of casters want really badly to have themselves be in-game doing it, but I think it actually is bad for their casting because they tend to just start to look in the game and point out stuff that's not what the audience sees. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because there's a whole perspective problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like It's not like Tekken where like, we are all seeing... The same thing. Same thing. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing you can point out like, oh, behind the characters, there's this thing that I see. Yeah. So watch for that. Um, but yeah, I, I found it's best if I just if there's a really good observer. Usually it's an ex-pro, so they know what to look for. Know what for. to look for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. Okay, that's good. Um, and then and, and then you just kind of cast off of that. Yeah. The only thing that, that's weird for me is if I do because we don't have an English observer. Mm-hmm. We just follow it. The Korean because the Korean casters sometimes lead the observer. Other times the observer leads the Korean casters. Oh, okay um but for us we just basically look at what's happening on screen and we've had the same observer at at africa tv for a long time so he's pretty good but when i go overseas i'll notice i'll start to talk about something kind of big picture and the observer starts to move Uh. and i'm gonna go oh oh (laughs) (laughs) oh, he can hear me you know it's just kind of weird thing um but uh yeah it's it's for me it's best if i just have the feed i mean is, is there any like I never
2: even thought about it. Is there some any kind of special setup that you guys have when you cast or, or is there...
1: It's literally just a monitor? Just a monitor, yeah, right? Yeah, we see the game and we just commentate the game. You know, that's it. It's it's crazy, you know. But with, with Tekken it's I feel like for me, I'm a I'm a very uh analytical commentator, right? I I see the small things and I can it, you know, uh, and I'd like to to pinpoint, oh man, that was a crazy situation. He did this because of this, but he could have done this, but that's why he did this, right? So it's like, for me, I think that's my strength. I'm an analytical commentator and, but the problem is it's so hard to, in such a fast paced game, to, to talk about all these little things that are happening, intricate things that people are missing. That sometimes, and you know, I, and I did a video on YouTube which broke down why Arslan was able to beat Ni, yeah? That was a huge thing and people actually didn't know even arsalan messaged me saying bro that video was sick i even i learned something watching your video i'm like what the hell did you learn watching my video man like you did it but um you know i that's the that's the one hard thing i feel like tech and commentary is is that like for me because i see all these little intricate things happening and i always want to talk about it but to be able to 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 like kind of condense it into small into a small sentence is so hard to do um especially when there's so much happening it's so fast-paced that's why I kind of i wish for tekken that we had like an analyst desk you know something we haven't quite got yet we haven't got there oh but, yeah i guess that's know.
2: true it, but it's now so for for people that are listening like an a, an analyst desk
0: because if you only watch Tekken, i guess you've never seen this but mm. like um it in between games they'll throw to a desk that usually has three to four people yeah that will kind of try to go in depth or really unpack stuff mm. i think though one of the the history behind the analyst desk, though, in part, I think, is it's a time filler yeah. in some ways. Now, it's also, I think it's necessary to build the story and also to let the casters just not talk for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So their brains don't get all frazzled. But um, it seems like the pacing of a fighting game tournament, fighting game tournaments in general, is very fast. Mm. Someone wins, they they shake hands, they unplug their, their joysticks, yeah. get the next guys in there. Is that, do you feel like tempo-wise, that's too fast?
2: Or is this... If we had an analyst desk, is that being two, like, two esports, as some people would say?
1: Or... I don't know. That's the thing, man. For me, like, I don't care about the whole, oh, esports, this and that. I, I look at it because I was at a tournament uh, called Ultimate Fighting Arena. Like I said, I was in Paris a couple of days ago, and they had an analyst desk there. Um, and I just thought, for... they had it for Street Fighter, they didn't have it for, for Tekken, they had it for Street Fighter, and you know watching these guys being able to after every four matches look at a certain match and say you know this is what happens what happened it's it's necessary because the people who watch Tekken there's a lot of them that are just casuals they don't understand the the, the details and why something was so sick you know and even when I watch Street Fighter I don't play the game I don't know why something was really cool I see people that commentate go oh my god that was amazing I'll be like why was that amazing you know what what happened what was the situation there and to have someone to be able to go to that match back you know in an Uh, on an analyst desk and actually explain why something was sick and i'd be like oh that's why that would be amazing instead of having a bunch of adverts or having commentators like myself just talk and fill in time it's boring like no one wants to see me talk that many that much and you know i think to have an analyst desk would fill that time in really really good i guess league of legends did this first right they were the
0: ones where they would have those engages and like i don't i don't know that i I can play league of legends like i've played it before but i'm not like I don't see what pros see. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of times when they have these big engages, I guess maybe it was OGN that did it first, maybe it was Riot, I'm not sure, but mm. they um, would, after the big fight happens where everybody spams out their ultras and, you know, characters are jumping all over the place Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then one's running and they chase that guy down and kill him, they would actually then go back and, and, and replay it in, in slow-mo mm. and then have someone talk about explain what very clearly, okay, so watch, this guy's going to use this ability and this other guy's going to try to use this ability to mute that guy's ability or, Something mm. like that, and um, I wonder, yeah, if, if that's something that, that the FGC hasn't quite adopted yet. Because no, like I enjoy, <clears throat> I enjoy watching fighting games because it's it is more obvious what's happening in a fighting game mm. than any other game. Yeah, you know, like I think StarCraft is sort of obvious because you just see little armies clashing together. Yeah, yeah. But there's so much you have to unpack. It's it, for StarCraft. It's more like we're trying to explain what's what's building up. Mm. And if it's gonna work, and, and 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 if it does, like why? Like maybe this guy doesn't know that this player is gonna do this. he's, right. he's been misled. He's been duped. But fighting games, um, because it's you, know, you can watch the life bar, yeah, and you see one avatar beating up the other avatar. Mm. It's inherently obvious. But a lot of times, the very 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 subtle nuance, uh, I I think can get lost due to the sheer momentum of the tournament trying to progress to the the finals you know yeah
1: and because the games are like like i said they're fast paced right with, with starcraft and these other games the more, like when i watch them like my brother watches a lot of dota and i'm watching that I'm like, i have no idea what's happening there's a bunch of like all this people just going on doing throwing shit at each other like i don't know what's going well, on not but only that, would...
0: but the casters some of those casters i don't know what like they, they're not casting to a general <laughs> audience they're they are casting to people who
1: only know dota yeah 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 they're not casting to the, to the casual right so we ain't learning anything um, yeah. you know it's it's tough I, I, like I always try to like I said I'm an analytical I try to be as educational as possible but um, yeah like you said you know the analyst desk is not quite we're not quite there and one of the reasons was uh, it, it's, it's weird it's because this, especially for Tech World Tour they want they want everything to be sort of uh, the production to be very similar to, uh, throughout regions they, they don't want one region to have you know and the capa- everyone's capabilities are different you know America right. and Europe are capable of doing more than certain Asian tournaments you know you have like So many different tournaments that are masters and challengers. Those are like the levels of tournaments. Masters are the biggest tournaments. But every master will have different capabilities within what they can do, right? Their budgeting and whatever else. Uh, So sometimes there'll be a tournament that may not be able to have an analyst disc, but one tournament will be able to. But then you have a variation in production and and stuff, and they, uh, they don't like that. So I think that's the problem with it at the moment. But uh, i want to get to that level where we can start to just have that analyst analyst test because i think tekken uh it like like you said it's hard to get into sometimes and you you miss these these small little things but you, it can be so educational like you know i was watching a tournament recently i think it was rev major where chikarin who's a japanese player did something so sick but it looked so normal it looks so just yeah. normal but then speed kicks made a tweet saying hey this was a crouch cancel punish." Like. It looks like nothing, but he actually—that was really sick. And he did it like three times in a row. And if I was able to explain on an analyst deck, like what he had to do, he had to cancel his crouch, then punish with a ten frame. Like that's really hard to do, and what you have to do is just to press up and then do this and. Like, that sort of stuff that would teach the audience not only why something was sick, but, oh, I can do that. Let me practice that in practice mode, you know? So I feel like that educational aspect will help people also get involved in the game. And I, I hope to see that in-, in in Tekken and other fighting games. If you're somebody who wants
0: to get into Tekken, what is the best way to
1: do that? Um, to get into Tekken, you know, the best way is to not worry about tier lists or anything like that. Because a lot of people are like, hey Spag, what's the best character in the game? What's your tier list? Who do you think is top five? Don't 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 worry. Literally Panda won the Tekken World Tour in twenty eighteen. You know, and that character is not supposed to be good, you know? It beat beat Kudans, beat everyone, beat me, won the Tekken World Tour. Panda, you know? Um so don't worry about tier lists Pick a character who you think is cool, looks cool. Tekken is very balanced. It's a very balanced game. Um so you can pick whoever you like and I think if you really want to improve, if you want to You know, get to a level where you can start competing is you need to, you know, learn maybe every character's top ten moves. um, try to see how you can deal against it. Learn movement. That's the number one thing you want to know. Because movement is the most important thing in Tekken. So learn your backdashing, how to backdash cancel. Learn how to, you know, sidestep, sidewalk. And then after you do that, you know, learn some combos with your characters, simple combos, uh, and your punishes, your your pokes, your best pokes you know you just got to take it systematically you know okay learn your character then after that you you talk to people learn learn matchups watch videos it's just you know it's it's very standard if you have the right formula for it it can it can be done easily we've have we have players in the uk who um started in tekken 7 um and they are some of the best players in in the uk now and in europe and they started in tekken 7 they never played a tekken game before that so it's entirely possible but those players also played a lot offline they go to the to the Red Bull Arena we have in London and they play casual games with the London community a lot. So if you have a strong local scene, like Seoul definitely has one, you know, if you're, yeah. if you're from Korea, you know, you want to get involved in Tekken, you have, and I saw the community community yesterday, you know, these guys have a location where they can play and they can learn Tekken. It's entirely possible uh, to to get good in Tekken, especially with Tekken 7. Much easier than it was in Tekken, Tekken 2 and older Tekken. How's this podcast been
0: for you?
2: It's been good, man. Is there anything you want me to ask you that I haven't asked you? or?
1: Uh, do to ask
0: me anything, or
1: uh, yeah. I mean, thing is, you've been you've been um like a commentator for such a long time, right? Yeah, and you're like one of the first people, to my knowledge, that has made a career out of, out of commentary, yeah. right? Yeah. So for me, I'm just, I, I'm wondering like how how was that for you? You know, like I, I, how did it start? How did you say, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a commentator, and I'm so, gonna move to Korea because it's a lot. It's a massive decision to make.
0: Yeah. So like I um I I, I was. I got eliminated from a tournament and offered to commentate, and yeah. then and then I, because they didn't have anybody to cast the world finals, I um I, I agreed to like skip school for a week and go to Singapore, yeah, undo it. And then when I looked around, I just thought, there's all these like I was I was really young, I was like 20, um, yeah. but I'm like there's all these grown-ups here, <laughs> and they see this appears to be their jobs, like not casting, but they're working in an event. Yeah, I thought okay, this there's got to be something to this, hmm. and then I had this job where I had to move furniture for one summer. And it was fucking terrible. <laughs> it was just—I was so tired I couldn't play StarCraft when I got home. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I got to get out of this shit. Mm. I got to do something. Um, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to really try to work on this casting thing. Yeah. Um, but I think like one of the important lessons on the way is it's absolutely okay to be paid to do what you like. Yeah. Because a lot of people when they get into this, they're like, "I oh, do it for the game." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 I do it for the game too." Yeah. Okay, yeah. but I also want to make a living. Of course, you of know course. what I mean so yeah. that I can keep doing this Of course, yeah because like I am absolutely terrified of having to have you know any kind of job that I would hate mm. um but I mean for, for me it's like uh I thought okay in Korea starcraft's so big I mean, I was watching these starcraft leagues as a kid growing up I thought okay, if I can just convince them because Korea was more insular back then yeah Korea's only opened up since its economy's gotten really it's only opened up in the last like you know fifteen 20 years really right. And so when I, when I got here, I was me trying to convince TV companies to let me do an English feed. Okay, uh, and they'd be like, "Well, nobody watch. You know, foreigners don't watch StarCraft." And I'd say, "We well, haven't put it out there for foreigners to watch.
1: Maybe they maybe maybe it's, they will." Yeah, yeah it was you, like this
0: chicken and the egg thing where they're like, "We're not. You know, nobody nobody watches this." I'm like, "Well, you haven't put anybody, it out there for people to see." So, yeah, we would, yeah. um, and it, it worked out a lot better than I thought it would. Also, I came out here after StarCraft Two was announced as a game
2: okay and that's when i thought okay well this is something's gonna happen out here so you made that you made that choice you you made that prediction Like, okay this is gonna blow up something's gonna happen you know let me let me move to korea i was i was in this i was having this just terrible job yeah where i um
0: like i said i was moving for I i basically lived in a dorm on a college campus and i had to move um like mattresses and paint dorm rooms and move heavy furniture and i was i was I didn't realize how bad the job was when I signed up for it. It was like minimum wage. Right. Okay, like Backbreaking work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember I saw the Starcraft 2 announcement and I'm like, Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm. This changes everything. And then, um, I actually, it's really weird. So, uh, at my job, we had to throw out these mattresses and I was so poor. I didn't have, I was going to move into my friend's house when, yeah, when yeah. school started. Cause it was like going to be my last year of school. Okay. And, um, I didn't. I didn't have enough money for a bed when I was moving into this place. But I, was, I knew on the ledger, uh, in my in my dorm uh, room, because I which rooms were actually used and which weren't. Mm. So some of these mattresses had never been used. Right. Okay. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to steal some of these mattresses, <laughs> and throw them in the house, so that I have a bed and my friends have beds. Jeez. And this dude that I worked with, well, because I, we had to drive a van. Mm. So, so we we're supposed to drive it to this like recycling place, and I'm like, no. And I, we pulled the van up to my my friend's house, and I threw these mattresses in. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy that was in the van with me, he ratted me out. Shit. And then I got fired. Wow. no and I'm way. like, oh fuck. But luckily, I had a bed to sleep on. I went to my friend's
1: house. <laughs> you still had the bed though, did yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. But the, the next
0: bed. week, I got my first job opportunity to do a week-long tournament in Korea.
1: Okay, okay, sick.
0: And it, it, it paid, I mean, it didn't pay well, but it, like, it was money, right? And yeah. that was my first time coming to Korea. Okay. And then I got out here and I'm like, okay, this is, I didn't know Seoul was cool. Yeah. I didn't know it was like a great city. I just knew everybody played StarCraft out here. I thought, uh-huh. okay, we got to figure something out. Yeah. And then I eventually got a, a gig doing uh, Warcraft 3 and StarCraft, um, rerun stuff. And then I was basically just waiting for StarCraft 2 to get big. Mm. And the weird thing was, we didn't know when the game was going to come out oh and so, so just, it was okay. just like you know and it's blizzard like they they can take a long time yeah you know it could be a year it could be five years we don't know so and you so,
1: moved to korea before you knew yeah when it was gonna come
0: out i was out here for three and a half years okay Whoa. i was <laughs> yeah it was it was weird man because after a little bit i'm like what if they just like what if it don't come out yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what if they cancel it um and then the moment that that came out um i think i, I basically was in the position that you're in right now with tekken 7 yeah where it's like oh now I live on an airplane. Yeah. I'm going all over the place, but I'm making money. I'm not worried about money anymore.
1: Mm.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, so, and so that's that's so a story. It, pay, it paid off for you, didn't it? it you paid made, off. You made yeah. the,
1: you made the took the risk. You moved to Korea. You you know didn't know when the game was gonna come out, and it came out, and it's like boom. That's it. You're in a position yeah. now. It's cool. That's clever, man. It's cool, man. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's cool to be able to do what you love. You know. I mean, I think for me, um, Tekken is not. It's, obviously it obviously doesn't pay well it's not it's not crazy I, you know you get paid a little bit for some tournaments you know but not something you can make a living off so ra- i'm actually um training to be a lawyer as well so that's oh, of, no kidding yeah yeah so i took the new york bar exam uh, i passed it so i just need to do a few more things and i'll go to new york this year dude get, i was a yeah. philosophy
2: major i was thinking about going to law school
0: really yeah yeah cuz i don't do my that's, Fucking crazy! Yeah. Oh, cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you something. You never know. I mean, there might be more and more money coming into Tekken. I mean, the yeah. production. What was the Filipino tournament that just happened? Rev Major. Rev Major. Yeah. That yeah. Cool. I mean, that production was sick. It was. Yeah. I mean, in I, I think that this game can only get bigger. So, I mean, I think there still might be full time
1: stuff for you down the road. Yeah, I mean, maybe you never know, man. But like you said, you you do it for the game first and foremost. Right, yeah. Right. You, you you know if you get paid as well, that's it's a bonus. It's good to be able to make a living off it. Um, you know, I, I just love the community so much. I want to always help where I can, you know, I'm helping the Pakistani scene, that's my focus at the moment, helping these guys actually push out. And if that, if that can, if that sort of uh, market can open and people can start traveling there and we're doing a tournament in November, November 3rd, we're doing a, a major for pa- in Pakistan. So we're trying to get internationals over there. Um, you know, we can open that to esports. That's 200 million people there, man, you know, uh, open up business to go there. If that, if that community been, uh, you know opens up, and it could mean really big things for the FGC. So just, you know, it's we're, we're still low when it comes to esports. We're on the low end. We're kind of poverty at the moment. But, but like you said, you know, the game's popular, man. So that's the most important thing. So we can just build it up from there, see where it goes, man. Well, thanks for doing this yeah. podcast, man. No, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, thank man, I'm rooting for you guys in your game, man. <laughs> Cheers, man. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. All
0: right, that does it for uh, episode 13. Again, I hope you enjoyed that. It was really cool to talk to Spag. I want to make sure this podcast... Uh, gets to reach as many different you know, types of people, uh, as possible. And I thought his story is really interesting and it's really cool. And uh, I'm rooting for him in the future. I think he's got a really bright future ahead of him. Um, again, guys, if you can support us on Patreon, it's really appreciated. We are going to change the way that this show is set up as far as Patreon goes. So it's an even better deal, uh, if you're a supporter and I'm looking forward to finalizing our plans and making those announcements, uh, probably in the next podcast. So, um, I don't know. Is there anything else I got to say? Did we do it? Did we do it? All right. Episode 13. We're going to have a lucky number next time with episode 14. I'm looking forward to that. Guys, I love you. Take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening. I make this for you guys, so I hope you enjoy it. This show was produced by State, artwork by Alarice, music by Mark Lentz, and I did not forget the $100 Patreon supporters this time. Like we did last time. We fucked up last time. I forgot. The Patreon supporters, it is John Kernicki, and we have a new one, Rohit Simbadi. These are people that are supporting us with $100 or more. Thank you guys so much. It is really appreciated. I love you guys. And those of you who did not donate $100, I love you as well. Thank you for joining us here at the Tastes Podcast. I will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Oh, all right. So wait. All right. So just, just plug this back. Okay. I, also, there's there's a third $100 Patreon supporter, Charlie Sheever. Who I've had the opportunity to hang out with in person a long time ago when he was out here in Seoul. I hope you're doing well, Charlie. Sorry, I did. I, th- I thought we only had two hundred dollar Patreon supporters. We have three. Will we have four? We'll find out in episode fourteen of the Tastes Podcast. That's it. I love you guys. Sorry, I fucked up that outro. Bye bye.